I had just finished up my freshman year at Mid-America Christian University when I realized that my childhood dream of becoming a veterinarian was not meant for me. And if you've ever had a dream kind of fall apart in your hands, it's kind of heartbreaking. It's a little earth-shaking to know that all these plans that you had made for yourself your entire life are not meant to be and you're left questioning, what am I supposed to do with my life now? What am I meant to be doing? Why? <laughs> Why would this happen? And I got my answer shortly after that. That summer following my freshman year, I went to International Youth Convention in Denver, Colorado. Um, and I ended up going to an early morning meeting for emerging leaders. And at this meeting, as the woman who was speaking just gave words of encouragement, as she spoke these words, as they poured from her mouth, I was wrapped in a holy embrace. For the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. He has anointed me to bring good news to the afflicted. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to captives and freedom to prisoners, Isaiah 61.1. As those words poured over me, I got chills. And I remember I was shaking. But I thought, this, this is what I'm meant to be doing. And at the time, I had no idea what all that meant. I just knew in that moment that I was being called to something that I had never dreamed of before. In the few years following that calling, I learned what it meant for me. I learned more what my purpose looked like. I ended up striving, chasing after this new dream, this new future with a fervor, knowing that I was meant to be doing ministry. I just didn't know exactly what yet. But I fell in love with it. I fell in love with ministry as a whole, and especially doing children's ministry. That's why I'm here now. <laughs> but the Lord has showed me so many new things through this calling, through this special verse that has been laid on my heart and has settled into my soul and my spirit. In my time doing ministry, there have been several moments, a couple in particular, where I have honestly just felt like giving up completely, questioning, Lord, is this really what you have for me? I don't feel like I'm enough. I don't feel like I'm good enough for this calling that you have placed on my life. And every single time he's chased after me, reminding me of my purpose, reminding me that I can share the good news to the afflicted, those people, everyone who is burdened with sin, that I can help bind up the brokenhearted with encouraging words, with kindness and love, that I can help bring freedom to prisoners, proclaim liberty to captives, those who are just weighed down by life, and that 
seems like a heavy burden to carry sometimes. But he's also shown me that his yoke is easy and his burden is light. And ultimately, Christ is the good news. <laughs> he's the one who helps us and who saves us. He is the ultimate healer, Jehovah Rapha. And he is the one who shows us that he brings ultimate freedom from captivity. He breaks our chains. And he's shown me that I have a purpose in everything that I do. So keeping this verse in front of me, especially in those darkest of times, has helped me to realize that the Lord is always with me, that he's always continuously showing me who I am in him and what he is continuing to call me to do. What's your verse? All right. I want to welcome you back to the series we've been doing on your verse. I want to welcome our online audience, too. I want to give a special shout out to our friends down in Florida who are following us. We wish we were with you, but glad that you're joining us online anyway. In this series, we've been looking at um, verses that God gives us, sometimes as a life verse, as, as Sarah mentioned or some of us have shared. Other times, the verse that God gives us is for a season of our life. Uh, it may be you're at a particular place or you may be going through a particular circumstance and God gives you a verse that you can hang on to. This series is all about uh, discovering the power of the Word of God to be an anchor in your life when things get chaotic. And uh, many of you, uh, as you are searching for your verse, have discovered that. And if you have found that, if you found your verse, if you haven't yet written it on our board out in the lobby, please take time to do that. And it's just fun watching all of that board be covered now with, with people's life verses. And we're going to leave that up for a while and hope that you will take time to do that. I appreciate Sarah, uh, Sarah sharing this verse today because I think, again, there is so much rich power in it. And today what I want to do is I want to unpack this verse with you to see how her verse really does apply to each one of us. You ready? If you want to take your sermon outline out of your bulletin, you can track along with me. If you're, if you're one of those who likes to take notes, we'll throw everything up on the screen. Uh, if you'd like to follow along in the Bibles in the pews, you're more than welcome to do that as well. And those Bibles are our gift to you. If you'd like to take one of those Bibles home, please feel free to do so. Or if you have someone you'd like to give it to, feel free to take it home for them. But let's look again at Isaiah 61.1. Ready? Read it out loud with me, would you? The spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me, for the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to comfort the brokenhearted and to proclaim that captives will be released and that prisoners will be free. First thing I want to point out about this verse is that this verse is personal and not just prophetic. This verse is personal and not just prophetic. Um, this verse from Isaiah 61.1 is regarded as a prophetic verse. Uh, it's a verse that the Jews look to as uh, a verse that would highlight this is what the Messiah is going to do uh, when he comes. This is what the Messiah is going to be all about. And so they, they recognize the verse that way. And that's why when Jesus began his ministry, he got up in the synagogue and he turned to this verse in Isaiah and he read that verse in front of them. And then here's what he said. Throw that first up on the screen. And then he began to speak to them. Read it out loud with me. The scripture you've just heard has been fulfilled this very day. 
Now, that's why the whole synagogue got so upset when Jesus said this, because they understood this verse to be prophetic. They understood that this was about the Messiah. And Jesus, as he began his ministry, was stating it outright, this is what I've come to do. I am the one that you have been looking for. That's why there was such an uproar about that. And of course, now we understand looking back, this is exactly what Jesus did. Those uh, items that were mentioned in that verse was literally the ministry that Jesus carried out. But you have to understand this too. This verse wasn't just about Jesus. It was about us. Because this same ministry that God was doing through Jesus was to each one of us. So maybe uh, we are the ones who, for each one of us, who have been lost, that he has come to find. We are the ones who uh, are brokenhearted that Jesus needs to heal. We are the ones who uh, have found ourselves bound. And this is such great news because here's the deal today. If you came in full of guilt, Jesus came as that Savior who offers you freedom from that guilt. He offers you to forgive you. If you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive you of those sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness today. You can unload that guilt right here and right now. Amen? If you came in this morning and, you, and you're brokenhearted, if something's happened in your life that has caused you devastation, Christ has come as that healer who is also a comforter, and he can put his arms around you and help your broken heart to heal. If you're a prisoner this morning, if you're bound by fear, if you're bound by anxiety, if you're bound by worry, if you're bound by some addiction in your life, you need to understand what Jesus proclaimed is he came as a liberator for you to set you free. That verse is personal. Ah, don't miss this. But it's not only personal to us. This verse is personal through us. You see, what Pastor Sarah said, she was when, when that verse came to her, she realized that that verse wasn't just about Jesus doing these, those things. It was about her doing these things. And you know what? It's for each of us as well. What if I told you this morning that the very ministry that Jesus had here on this earth was a ministry that he in, intended each and every one of us to carry out as well? Look at this verse. Look at what Jesus said to his disciples in John 20, verse 21. Read it with me out loud, church. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. I am sending you. In other words, when Jesus, when Jesus died, when he left this earth, he handed the baton to his disciples who handed it to the next generation and it has handed down. And ladies and gentlemen, it is now the baton that is in our hand. If that work of God is to continue here, if the brokenhearted are to continue to be healed, if the prisoners are continue to be set free, ladies and gentlemen, it's God's working through us to accomplish that. Amen. It's not just a prophetic verse. It's very personal. Now, here's the good news, because I know what, I know what some of you are thinking. Some of you are thinking, wow, Steve, you know, there's no way you know, I can carry out the ministry of Jesus, and, and uh, I, I am not all of that. And you know what? I agree with you 100%. You're not all of that. The good news is you don't have to be because he is. Amen. And that's why the, the next thought I want to give you is that it's, it is God working through us and not us working for God. It is not God, us, uh, us, us doing this work. It is about God 
working through us. Look again at what Jesus said and, and how this pertains to us. Throw that, I, from, throw that verse ready to go. It says, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me for who has anointed me? The Lord has anointed me. I want you to get this. In the Old Testament, whenever the prophets or anyone did the work of God, they did it because of the Spirit of God came upon them, and they were able to carry out whatever it was God did. And then Jesus came in the fullness of the Spirit and did the work of God among us. But then on the day of Pentecost, the Spirit of God was poured out upon all believers. And that was what, you know, when Peter was, when people were going, man, what in the world is going on? Peter said, this is what the prophet Joel was talking about when he said, in those days, those last days, he said, the spirit will be poured out upon all flesh, men, women, young, old, everybody is going to be able to be endowed with the spirit of God to continue the work that Jesus Christ began. So when you and I surrender our hearts and lives to Jesus Christ and we open ourselves to him, God not only ministers to us if we let him, he ministers through us by the power of his Holy Spirit. And this is such an important point. You know, when we think about the disciples, sometimes we forget that these guys who followed Jesus, um, they weren't all of that. You know, Jesus picked them for a reason, and it wasn't because of their smarts. Can I say that? In fact, look at the description of those guys in, in Acts, fast and forth, up on the screen. It said, the members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, for they could see that they were ordinary men who had no special training in the scriptures. Now read it out loud. They also recognized them as men who had been with, and that was the defining difference. God doesn't need super intelligent people who know all of that and feel like they're all that skilled. God needs people who are surrendered to him, endowed with the spirit, spirit of God, people who have been with Jesus. In fact, let me take that one step further. One of the worst things you can do in your life is to try to do the work of God out of your own strength. I don't know about you, but I found in my own life, in my own journey of faith, that whenever I try to do God's work out of my strength, one, I mess it up really badly, and it doesn't end well. Does that make sense to you? In fact, one of the, one of the funny things, one of the funny little passages of Scripture that I love is in Acts chapter 19, as people were seeing the disciples do this work of God, and they were seeing the Spirit use them, they were, they were like, man, you know, we can do that kind of stuff. But they really didn't understand that it was the power of Christ working through them. And so they thought, you know, maybe we just say the right words, we can do what they did. And in chapter 19 of Acts, there's this really funny story. Throw it up on the screen. It says, a team of Jews were traveling from town to town, casting out evil spirits. They tried to use the name of the Lord Jesus. The incantation they used. Now, I want you to catch that they thought that what these guys were doing were just casting spells you know if you just you know open sesame or whatever you know whatever it is you know that it's going to happen and it said the incantation they used was this i command you by jesus whom paul preaches to come out seven sons of skeva leaving priests were doing this but when they tried it on a man possessed by an evil spirit the spirit replied i know jesus and i know paul but who are you and he leaped on them and attacked them with such violence that they fled from the house naked and badly injured. And the moral of the story is, you try to do God's stuff without God's power, you get your tail kicked. <laughs> Amen? Amen. Now, I want to set you free with this. Because whenever we talk about our, uh, our lives being open to be used by God, we, we, we look in the mirror 
and we think, you know, Pastor Steve, I, I hear what you're saying, but I, I'm not all of that. No, you're not. Because it's not about who you are. It's about who God is. Amen. It's about the Spirit working through us. Now, that connects me to, to another thought. When we talk about ministry, ministry is a way of life, not a vocation. Ministry is a way of life and not just a vocation. Again, when we were listening to Pastor Sarah's um, testimony about this verse, yeah, we heard her calling in that. It's like, you know, God has called me, and now she's a pastor of children's ministry. That's what she does for a living. But you do understand that ministry is not necessarily about being a pastor. That ministry is just simply opening yourself to allow the Spirit of God to use you wherever you find yourself in whatever job you may have. In fact, I put a couple of statements on your outline that I, I, I want to call your attention to. God calls some of us to be pastors, and he calls others to be missionaries like Richard, but he calls all of us to be ministers. You see, if you have surrendered your heart and life to Jesus Christ, if his spirit does live in you, I can tell you without a shadow of a doubt, you are a minister. The only question is, what kind of minister are you? And how are you doing with what he's given you? That's the only question you need to ask. Now, and what is ministry? Let me, I put this on your outline too so you would, you'd remember. Ministry is seeing with the eyes of God and loving with the heart of God so that we can be used as the hands and the voice of God. Um, when I was in Houston finishing college, I, had a, I met a, a guy who just became a good friend. His name was Tommy Lyons. Tommy was the co-manager for uh, the American General Houston City Agency. He had over 100 insurance agents that worked out of the office. And Tommy uh, invited me. His partner was retiring, and he wanted me to go in the insurance business with him to be his partner. And I took, actually took a step in that direction before God ended up redirecting me here uh, as a youth pastor. Um, but Tommy didn't want me because I was... Uh, I knew anything about insurance. Tommy wanted me to be his partner because Tommy's had a huge heart for the agents that were working out of his office. When Tommy sat down with me, he said, Steve, I've got over a hundred agents. He said, and their lives are full of trouble. And Tommy was a godly man. And Tommy talked about these guys who had all these marriage issues going on and, and, and how these guys were, you know, just, they, would, they would make all of this money and then they would spend it right away. And he said, they're trying to fill this hole in their life that, that they can't fill with stuff. And, and he talked about the fact that many of them were, were getting addicted to alcohol and drugs. And he said, man, he, he said, I reach out to these guys and I minister to these guys and I talk. He said, but I need help. And he wanted me to come alongside of him in that. You see, Tommy didn't see his job as simply a vocation. He saw his job as an opportunity for God to use him to touch the lives of the people that he worked with. Can you imagine what would happen in Oklahoma City if tomorrow morning every single believer got up and they went to their job, not with that, oh me, I hate my job and why am I here? But what if we got up and we saw our job as our mission field for God and we really prayed, let the spirit of the Lord be upon me and God help me see these people like you see them, hear them like you hear them, feel for them like you feel for them. And use me to reach out to them like you would if you were here. What in the world would happen if we really embraced ministry as a, as a way of life? 
that changes everything. Amen? It changes everything. Which ties me to the next part. The opportunities to touch a life are everywhere. The opportunity to touch a life are everywhere. It's so funny because, you know, when we think of ministry, we often think of ministries that happen in a church or in a building. But you do understand that the needs are all around us. In fact, I love the description of the disciples as Jesus sent them out to ministry. It says, read it with me, church. So they set out and they went from village to village, proclaiming the good news and healing people. Healing them where? Healing them where? Everywhere. Now, why this word is so important, circled on your outline, why this word is so important is because every single place you go tomorrow, I can tell you this, there are people there that need Jesus. They need his healing. They need his love. They need his forgiveness. They need his help. They need his presence in their life. I'm guaranteed they're everywhere. They're right on the pew beside you this morning, right where you sit. They will be where you go to the restaurant today. They will be where you go to school tomorrow. They will be, they will be where you go to work. Every single place you shop, everywhere you go, there are people in need. And when we talk about the spirit of the sovereign Lord being on us to be, let God work through us, it's everywhere, gang. It's everywhere. I, I thought this story was just so cool. I just read this in, in the news this last week. Um, these two seniors up in Blackfoot, Idaho, uh, that's Gabby on the left and Diana on, on, the, on the right. These two seniors um, were really concerned about kids in their high school because they have a lot of kids who come from very impoverished families. And so their counselor, with their counselor, they had helped develop a, a little supply cabinet because they realized that some of their fellow students couldn't even get the necessary toiletry items that they needed at home, just personal hygiene kinds of stuff. And so they had set up this little thing just so students can kind of spread the word. If you, you know, if you need stuff as simple that we take for granted, like a toothbrush, like toilet paper, like stuff that we would never think that anybody would need, but many people need. Those personal hygiene items were there. They were available for them for free. But Gabby and them realized that, Gabby and Diana, Diana realized that, you know what, if they have needs like that, I'll bet, I'll bet our fellow students aren't getting healthy food either. And so they had this idea. What if we not only created a personal hygiene supply cabinet. But what if we created a food pantry where students could stop by and if they would, they, they had, there were wholesome grains that they could choose from and, and healthy stuff that they could get. What if we gave them options and made that available for, for free as well? And they began to take donations. They began to collect this food. And they were a little concerned at first because the question they were wondering was what students really use it. You know, would students be too proud or would they, you know, would they be too shy? And they were amazed how many students began to actually line up and take the plastic bags that were provided and fill them with as much as they wanted with the food and things that they provided. Look at me, guys. You got to get this. This is two high school seniors. These aren't pastors. These aren't clergymen. They're not professionals. They are simply two young ladies whose heart broke for their fellow students. The opportunities to do this 
are everywhere. You know, sometimes, you know, when I talk about helping people like that, every once in a while somebody will push back a little bit and say, you know, Pastor Steve, don't you think sometimes when you do stuff like that, there are people who take advantage of it? Yes, I do. Don't you think that there are people we give stuff to that probably don't really need it, need it? Yes, I do. But that's not my problem. That's theirs. See, my job is to do what God calls me to do and then stand before him one day to give an account for that, just like they will. And you know what? I would rather help someone who didn't need the help than to pass someone by who really did. Amen? And there's a guy, I saw this. This was so cool. December, just a couple months ago in New York City, there was a guy uh, who was walking down the sidewalk in New York City, and uh, just outside of a store, he saw this guy in a hoodie who was knelt down on the sidewalk, kind of had a little dog, and he was trying to keep the dog warm. And as the guy walked by, his heart kind of went out for him. He thought, you know, here's a guy in this hoodie, and, uh, you know, got this little dog, and he probably doesn't have any place to go. And so he, he walked by him, and uh, he, he stopped, and he, he, he's got, I can't just walk by this guy. And he turned around, and he came back, and he took out a $5 bill, and he handed it to the guy. And he said, hey, he said, um, maybe this will help you to get a cup of coffee. And as the guy who was huddled over this dog looked up, here's who it was. <laughs> Anybody know who that is? <laughs> yeah, that's Daniel Radcliffe, Harry Potter. Yeah. Harry Potter probably owned that store, you know. <laughs> I mean, he's, he, he, here, here's a guy who is a gazillionaire. And, but what was cool was hearing Daniel Radcliffe talk about that event and so I realized that here he was, he was huddled down. You know, the guy didn't recognize him as he had his head down, didn't recognize all of that. But here was another human being willing to help him. Didn't know who he was, didn't care who he was, but offered to help. Opportunities to be used by God are everywhere. Amen. Yeah. Now, let me give you one more. Before you think making yourself available to the Spirit of God means you're going to have to preach or sing a solo or start some ministry somewhere or do something, here, here's what you need to understand. Never underestimate the power of small things. The power of small things. You see, most of us, when we release ourselves to be used by God, most of us aren't going to have to stand up and preach or do something that makes, scares us to death to think about. For most of us, God is going to nudge us to do little things that we don't think are all of that. But little things can do great things when God is in them. You remember the story in John chapter 6? There were 5,000 people there that was listening to Jesus teach. And as they we're listening. Jesus realized that people were getting hungry, and the disciples said, man, what are we going to do? We don't have any food. And Jesus said, how about we feed them? And it's like, you remember, you realize, Lord, how many people are here? How in the world can we take care of all of these people? And I love it. Andrew comes up to him, and here's what he says. Here is a young boy who has five barley loaves and two fish. Read it out loud. But what good is that with this huge crowd? Well, it was all Jesus needed to take care of the need. The little things that you and I do make a huge impact. Let me close with this story. 
um, two weeks ago um, in Newport News, Virginia. Throw that picture up for me. This police officer, her name is uh, Katie Thine. Um, Katie um, was killed at a routine traffic stop where she pulled somebody over. And while she was standing uh, outside of the car, another car went out of control and hit her, and she was uh, killed. Um, as they were uh, preparing for Katie's funeral, it was so interesting to just read all of the accolades that people, things that people were saying about her. They, they talked about her love. They talked about her kindness. They talked about the fact that she volunteered with the Boys and Girls Club in Newport News. And these various things that she did all over her community that left just such an, a great impression. But I thought one of the coolest stories out of that was by this guy. That's Keith Ivey. Keith um, was pulled over by Katie just a few hours before she was killed. He was speeding down a street. He was on his way uh, to the high school where his daughter was. Kate, Keith is a single father with three daughters, and he had gotten a call from the school that his daughter had blacked out. And so he was going to get her, and he was going to take her to the emergency room to, to have her checked out. And being concerned, he was speeding through the street. Now, you can imagine, as anyone would, as he's speeding down the street, he looks up in his rearview mirror, and here's this flashing light. And he said, my heart sank. He said, it's always scary to me when you get pulled over by a police officer because you never know who you're going to get and what's going to happen. And he said, but when Katie walked up to the to the window, he said she was smiling. He said there was a warmth about her that you could feel. He said, I rolled my window down, and he said she went through her the normal spiel about, um, do you understand why I pulled you over today? And he said, yes, I know I was speeding. And, and she said after she kind of gave her little spiel, he said, I explained to her, I am so sorry. He said, I got a call from the high school. I'm on my way there. My daughter had blacked out. I'm taking her to the hospital. And he said, instead of blowing me off or giving me a lecture, he said, Katie, listen. He said, I could see the concern in her eyes. He said, she nodded to me, and he said, she simply said to me, you need to get right on to the hospital or right on to the high school. He said, go ahead, please slow down, drive safely, go to the hospital. And, he, and then he said, she said this, and I want you to know, I'm going to be praying for you and for your daughter. He said, I didn't know this woman. I didn't know anything about her. But she will have no idea how much her small act of kindness and sympathy and compassion meant to me. He said, how God brought me just the right person at just the right time, I will never know but I am so glad he did. There are people all around us who simply need a small thing like that. Amen. Rachel, go ahead and come on back. I'm going to ask our prayer partners if you guys would go ahead and take your places this morning. As we close this message out, um, Rachel's going to lead us in a, in a beautiful little chorus that I love. It's, a, it's so appropriate for this morning. It just simply says, Spirit of the living God, 
fall fresh on me. And this morning, um, after we sing this song through, I want to pray. And, um, and I want to pray for uh, each of us. And there may be uh, some of us today that, you know, more than anything else, we need that ministry of Jesus to happen to us. There may be some of you who came in brokenhearted today. And you need that heart healed. There may be some of you who came in guilty today. And you need to be forgiven. There may be some of you who came in in bondage today. And you need to be set free. And I just want you to know Jesus is here this morning. And you can reach out to him with a very simple prayer of faith. Right where you are. Right where you're seated if you like. If you would like you can also slip out. Come to one of the altars here. And kneel to have just a private moment with God if you'd like. We also prayer partners in all four corners of the room. Any of them would be more than happy to pray with you about anything going on in your life or any way that God might help you. There might be others of us that our prayer is not just that God would minister to us, but maybe this morning God was touching your heart about making yourself available for God to minister through you. And maybe as we're singing that song that says, Spirit of living God, fall fresh on me. Maybe you're thinking about people at work. And maybe you're thinking about neighbors you have or people that you're related to, kids at your school. And maybe this morning God is nudging your heart saying, you know, I'll use you in a lot more ways if you'll make yourself available. And maybe one of you, some of you would like one of them or one of us to pray with you about just making yourself available to be used by God. You know what, Steve? I, I want to be that kind of person. I want that Spirit of God to be not only upon me, but to work through me. Again, you can pray that for yourself. Any of us here would be happy to pray with that for you as well. We're going to sing this song through, and then after we sing it through, I want to pray for you. Um, but feel free to respond any way that you feel like today. Would you bow your heads and would you just close your eyes for just a second and I want to pray. I wonder if there might be some of us this morning, just be honest enough to say, you know, Pastor Steve, I do need Jesus to minister to me today. Uh, I have a broken heart that needs to be healed. Uh, I have uh, a bondage that I need him to break. I have guilt that I need forgiven. I need God to draw near to me today. If that fits for you, any of that. Just slip your hand up. Say, Pastor, that's me. That's me. Yeah. Yeah, thank you for being honest. Thank you. And I wonder if there might be others saying, Pastor, I, I'm, I'm with you. I, I want God to use me. I need God to use me more than I've been allowing him to. I need that spirit of the Lord to work through me to those I come into contact with. If that fits for you, wherever you are, slip your hand up. Say, Pastor, that's what touched me today. Let me pray for you. Father, as we come before you this morning, um, we are so grateful. We're overwhelmed at times that you would love us so much that you would send your one and only son to die on a cross, to offer us forgiveness for our sins, to offer us healing for our hearts and our bodies, to offer us freedom from all of the things that we become prisoners of. We can't thank you enough for that work that you do in our lives that way. But we're also overwhelmed by the fact that you allow us to partner with you in the work that you're doing here on earth. That verse was your life verse, Jesus. 
The spirit of the living God was upon you. But then you turned to us and handed us the baton and said, as the Father sent me, so send I you. And so, Father, I pray for not only those who raise their hand, who are asking you to touch them in a special way. I pray for all of those, Lord, who are reaching out to you today. Say, Lord, use me. I need to have your eyes. I need to have your heart. I need to make myself available for you to be your hands and your voice. All the Lord, all around us today are opportunities to touch lives for your kingdom. Not in big and bold ways so much as in very simple, loving and caring ways. Would you help us to see those? Would you help us not to be afraid of those? Would you help us this morning to invite you not only to live in us, but to live through us? Fall fresh on us today, O Holy Spirit of God. These things we pray in the precious name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And everyone said, amen. Amen.